Well, we're reading that most helpful book, Heaven on Earth, by Puritan Thomas Brooks, and this is part 5F. We're talking about things that accompany salvation, and we're talking about faith, and um, we think the first topic today is that faith grows. So may the Lord bless us, and may we be instructed in things which are helpful to our souls and the continuation of our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith grows. The second property of that faith that accompanies salvation is this. It is of a growing and increasing nature. It is like the waters of the sanctuary that rise higher and higher as Ezekiel speaks. It is like a tender plant that naturally grows higher and higher. It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, though it be the least of all seeds, yet by a divine power, it grows up beyond all human expectations. Matthew 13:32. Faith is imperfect, as all other graces are, but yet it grows and increases gradually. Romans 1.17 For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, The just shall live by faith. As a gracious soul is always adding knowledge to knowledge, love to love, fear to fear, zeal to zeal, so he is always adding faith to faith. A gracious soul knows that if he be rich in faith, he cannot be poor in other graces. He knows the growth of faith will be as the former and the latter reign. To all other graces he knows that there is no way to outgrow his fears but by growing in faith. He knows that all the pleasant fruits of paradise, that is, joy, comfort and peace, flourish as faith flourishes. He knows that he hath much work upon his hands, that he hath many things to do, many temptations to withstand, many mercies to improve, many burdens to bear, many corruptions to conquer, many duties to perform. And this makes the believing soul thus to reason with God. Ah, Lord, whatever I am weak in, let me be strong in faith. Whatever dies, let faith live. Whatever decays, let faith flourish. Lord, let me be low in repute, low in abilities, low in estate, if only thou wilt make me high in faith. Lord, let me be poor in anything, poor in everything, if only thou wilt make me rich in faith. Lord, let the eye of faith be more opened, let the eye of faith be more quick-sighted, let the eye of faith be more the more raised, and it shall be enough to me, though Joseph be not, though Benjamin be not. It was the glory of the Thessalonians that their faith grew exceedingly. 2 Thessalonians 1.3 A growth in faith will render a man glorious in life, lovely in death, and twice blessed in the morning of the resurrection. So will not a growth in honours, a growth in riches, a growth in notions, a growth in opinions. The faith that accompanies salvation unites the soul to Christ and keeps the soul in communion with Christ. And from that union and communion that the soul hath with Christ flows the divine power and virtue that causes faith to grow. Yet, that no weak believers may be stumbled or made sad, let them remember, 1. That though that faith that accompanies salvation be a growing faith, yet there are some certain seasons and cases where a man may decay in his faith, and wherein he may not have the exercise and the actings of his faith. This blessed babe of grace may be cast into a deep slumber. This heavenly pearl may be so buried under the thick clay of this world and under the ashes of corruption and temptation, as that for a time it may neither stir nor grow, as might be shown in Abraham, David, Solomon, Peter and others. Secondly, remember this, that the strongest faith at times is subject to shakings, as the strongest men are to faintings and the stoutest ships are to tossings, as the wisest men are to doubtings, as the brightest stars are to twinklings. Therefore, if at certain times 
thou shouldst not be sensible of the growth of thy faith, yet do not conclude that thou hast no faith. Faith may be truly present when it is not active. There may be life in the root of the tree when there is neither leaves, blossoms, nor fruit upon the tree. The life that is in the root will show itself at the spring, and so will true faith break forth into acts when the sun of righteousness shall shine forth and make it a pleasant spring to thy soul. And thus much for this second particular. 3. Faith that accompanies salvation belittles the glories of the world. The third property of that faith that accompanies salvation is this. It makes those things that are great and glorious in the world's account to be very little and low in the eyes of the believer. Faith makes a believer to live in the land of promise as in a strange country. Hebrews 11.9 It is nothing to live as a stranger in a strange land, but to live as a stranger in the land of promise, this is the excellency and glory of faith. Faith will make a man set his feet where other men set their hearts. Faith looks with an eye of scorn and disdain upon the things of the world. What faith? What says faith? Are earthly treasures to the treasures of heaven? What are stones to silver, dross to gold, darkness to light, hell to heaven? Matthew six nineteen and 20. No more, says faith, are all the treasures, pleasures and delights of this world to the light of thy countenance, to the joy of thy spirit, to the influences of thy grace, Psalm 4, verses 6 and 7. I see nothing, says David, in this wide world only. Thy commandments are exceeding broad. Faith makes David account his crown nothing, his treasures nothing, his victories nothing, his attendance nothing. Faith will make a man write nothing upon the best of worldly things, it will make a man trample upon the pearls of this world as upon dross and dung. Hebrews eleven twenty four to 26 Faith deadens a man's heart to the things of this world. I am crucified to the world, and the world is crucified to me, says Paul. Philippians 3, verses 8, Galatians six fourteen. This world, says faith, is not my house, my habitation. This world, says faith, is not my house, my habitation, my home. I look for a better country, for a better city, for a better home. 2 Corinthians 5 and 1 and 2. Let's look up 2 Corinthians 5, 1 and 2. Let's put the Bible here. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 reads, For we know that if our earthly house, this tabernacle, were dissolved, we have a building of God, and a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. He that is adopted heir to a crown, a kingdom, looks with an eye of scorn and disdain upon everything below a kingdom, below a crown. Faith tells the soul that it hath a crown, a kingdom in reversion, and this makes the soul to set light by the things of the world, 2 Timothy 4, 8. Let's just read that, 2 Timothy 4, 8. Two Timothy four eight. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, 
which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Faith raises and sets the soul high, and hath raised us up together, and hath made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, saith the Apostle in Ephesians 2 verse 6. Faith makes a man live high. Our conversion is inherit in heaven. Philippians 3.20 And the higher any man lives, the less the lower will, will the things of this world be in his eye. The fancy of Lucian is very pleasant, who places Charon on the top of an high hill, viewing all the affairs of men and looking on their greatest, richest and most glorious cities as little birds' nests. Faith sets the soul upon the hill of God, the mountain of God, that is a high mountain, and from thence faith gives the soul a sight, a prospect of all things here below. And ah, how like birds' nests do all the riches, braveries, and glories of this world look and appear to them that faith hath set upon God's high hill. Faith, having set Luther upon his this high hill, he protests that God should not put him off with these poor low things. Faith set Moses high, it set him among invisibles, and that made him look upon all the treasures, pleasures, riches and glories of Egypt, as little birds' nests, as molehills, as dross and dung, as things <coughs> that were too little, <coughs> too low for him, to set his heart upon. Verily, when once faith hath given man a sight of a prospect of heaven, all things on earth will be looked upon as little and low. And so much for this third property of faith. Fourth property of faith, it purifies the heart. The fourth property of that faith that accompanies salvation is this. It purifies the heart. It is a heart-purifying faith. Purifying their hearts by faith, Acts 15, verse 9. Faith hath two hands, one to lay hold on Christ and the other to sweep the heart, which is Christ's house. Faith knows that Christ is of a dove-like nature. He loves to lie clean and sweet. Faith hath made a neat housewife's hand as well as an eagle's eye. Yes, faith hath a neat housewife's hand as well as an eagle's eye. Faith is, a good, is as good at purging out of sin as it is at discovering of sin. There is a cleansing quality in faith as well as a healing quality in faith. Sound faith will purge the soul from the love of sin, from a delight in sin, and from the reign and dominion of sin, Ezekiel 16. Sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace, Romans 6, 14 and 21. Now faith purgeth and cleanseth the heart from sin, sometimes by pressing and putting God to make good the promises of sanctification. Faith takes that promise in Jeremiah 33, verse 8. And I will cleanse them from all their iniquity, whereby they have sinned against me. And that promise in Micah 7.19. He will turn again, he will have compassion upon us, he will subdue our iniquities, and thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. And that promise in Psalm 65, verse 3. Iniquities prevail against me, as for our transgressions thou shalt purge them away. And that promise in Isaiah 1, verse 25. And I will turn my hand upon thee, and purely purge away thy dross, and take away all thy tin. And spreads them before the Lord, and will never leave urging and pressing, seeking and suing, till God makes them good. 
Faith makes the soul divinely impudent, divinely shameless. Lord, says Faith, are not these thine own words? Hast thou said it, and shall it not come to pass? Art thou not a faithful God? Is not thine honour engaged to make good the promises that thou hast made? Arise, O God, and let my sins be scattered. Turn my hand upon me, and let my sins be purged. And thus faith purifies the heart. Again, sometimes faith purifies the heart from sin by engaging against sin in Christ's strength, as David engaged against Goliath in 1 Samuel 17.47. Not in his own strength, but in the strength and name of the Lord of hosts. Faith leads the soul directly to God and engages God against sin, so that the combat, by the wisdom of faith, is changed and made now rather between God and sin than between sin and the soul. And so sin comes to fall before the power and glorious presence of God. There is a choice word, Psalm 61, verse 2, From the ends of the earth will I cry to thee, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Look as a child that is set upon by one that is stronger than he, cries out to his father, to help him, to stand by him, and to engage for him against his enemy. So faith, being sensible of its own weakness and inability to get the victory over sin, cries out to Christ and engages Christ, who is stronger than the strong man. And so Christ binds the strong man and casts him out. Faith tells the soul that all purposes, resolutions and endeavours, unless Christ be engaged, will never set the soul above its sins. They will never purify the heart from sin. Therefore faith engages Christ and casts the main of the work upon Christ, and so it purges the soul from sin. Luther reports of Stapicius, a German divine, that he acknowledged before he came to understand the free and powerful grace of Christ, that he vowed and resolved a hundred times against some particular sin and could never get power over it. He could never get his heart purified from it till he came to see that he trusted too much to his own resolutions and too little to Jesus Christ. But when his faith had engaged Christ against his sin, he had the victory. Again, faith purifies the heart from sin by the application of Christ's blood. Faith makes a plaster of Christ's blessed blood and lays it upon the soul's sores and so cures it. Faith tells the soul that it is not all the tears in the world nor all the water in the sea that can wash away the uncleanness of the soul. It is only the blood of Christ that can make a blackamoor white. It is only the blood of Christ that can cure a leprous naaman, that can cure a leprous soul. This fountain of blood, says Faith, is the only fountain for Judah and Jerusalem to wash themselves, to wash their hearts from all uncleanness and filthiness of flesh and spirit. Zechariah 13, 1 which reads, In that day there shall be a fountain opened to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. Those spots a Christian finds in his own heart can only be washed out in the blood of the Lamb by the hand of faith. Again, faith purifieth the soul from sin by putting the soul upon heart-purifying ordinances and by mixing and mingling itself with ordinances. The word profited them not, saith the apostle, because it was not mixed with faith in them that heard it. Hebrews 4 verse 2 Faith is such an excellent ingredient that it makes all potions work for the good of the soul 
for the purifying of the soul and for the bettering of the soul. And no potion, no means, will profit the soul if this heavenly ingredient be not mixed with it. Faith puts a man upon praying, upon hearing, upon the fellowship of the saints, upon public duties, upon family duties, and upon private duties. And faith in these comes and joins the soul and mixes herself with these soul-purifying ordinances and so makes them effectual for the purifying of the soul more and more from all filthiness and uncleanness. Faith puts out all her virtue and efficacy in ordinances to the purging of souls from their dross and tin. Not that faith in this life shall wholly purify the soul from the being of sin, or from the motions or operations of sin, no. For then we should have our heaven in this world, and then we might bid ordinances adieu, but that faith that accompanies salvation doth naturally purify and cleanse the heart by degrees from the remainders of sin. Sound faith is always a making the heart more and more <coughs> neat and clean, that the King of glory may delight in his habitation, that he may not remove his court, but may abide with the soul for ever. And thus you see that that faith that accompanies salvation is a heart-purifying faith. The fifth thing, it melts the soul. The fifth property of that faith that accompanies salvation is this, it is soul-softening, it is soul-mollifying. Oh, nothing breaks the heart of a sinner like faith. Peter believes soundly and weeps bitterly, Matthew twenty-six seventy-five. Mary Magdalene believes much and weeps much, Luke seven forty-four. Faith sets a wounded Christ, a bruised Christ, a despised Christ, a pierced Christ, a bleeding Christ before the soul, and this makes the soul sit down and weep bitterly. I will pour upon the house of David the spirit of grace and of supplications, and they shall look upon him whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him. All gospel mourning flows from believing, as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him, as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. Zechariah 12.10 Oh, the sight of those wounds that their sins have made will wound their hearts through and through, it will make them lament over Christ with a bitter lamentation. Men say that nothing will dissolve the adamant but the blood of a goat. Uh, nothing will kindly, sweetly and effectually break the hardened heart of a sinner but faith's beholding the blood of Christ trickling down his sides. Pliny reports of a serpent that when it stings it fetches all the blood out of the body. But it was never heard that any ever sweat blood but Christ the very thought of this makes the believing soul to sit down sweating and weeping. That Christ should love man when he was most unlovely, that man's extreme misery should but inflame Christ's love and mercy, this melts the believing soul. That Christ should leave the eternal bosom of his Father, that he that, that, he that was equal with God should come in the form of a servant, that he that was clothed with glory and born of king of a king, should be wrapped in rags that he had that that he that the heaven of heavens could not contain should be cradled in a manger that from his cradle to his cross his whole life should be a life of sorrows and sufferings that the judge of all flesh should be condemned that the lord of life should be put to death that he that was his father's joy should in anguish of spirit cry out my god my god why hast thou forsaken me that that head that was crowned with honour should be crowned with thorns that those eyes that were as a flame of fire, 
that were clearer than the sun should be closed up by the darkness of death, that those ears which were wont to hear nothing but hallelujahs should hear nothing but blasphemies, that that face that was quite white and ruddy should be spit upon by the Jews, that that tongue that spake as never man spake, yea, as never angel spake, should be accused of blasphemy, that those hands which swayed both a golden scepter and a rod and an iron rod, and those feet that were as fine brass should be nailed to the cross, and all this for man's transgression, for man's rebellion. Oh, the sight of these things, the believing of these things, the acting of faith on these things, makes a gracious soul to break and bleed, to sigh and groan, to mourn and lament. The faith that accompanies salvation is more or less heartbreaking, a heart-melting faith. 6. It overcomes the world. The sixth property of that faith that accompanies salvation is this. It is a world-conquering faith. It is a world-overcoming faith. 1 John 5 verse 4 For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the earth, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Faith overcomes the frowning world, the fawning world, the tempting world, and the persecuting world, and this it doth thus. 1. Faith, by uniting the soul to Christ, gives the soul an interest in all the victories and conquests of Christ, and so makes the soul a conqueror with Christ. John 16.33 These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We have, no, we have to deal but with a conquered enemy. Our Jesus hath given the world a mortal wound. We have nothing to do but to set our feet upon a subdued enemy and to sing it out with the Apostle. Over all these we are more than conquerors, Romans 8.37. Next, faith overcomes the world by outbidding sights. Faith outbids the world and so makes the soul victorious. The world sets honours, pleasures and more. Before Moses, but his faith outbid the world. It presents the recompense of reward. It brings down all the glory, pleasures and treasures of heaven, of that other world, and sets them before the soul. And so it overtops and overcomes the world by outbidding it. So Christ, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame. Hebrews 12.2 Faith overcomes the world. Next, faith overcomes the world by telling the soul that all things are its own. Says faith, this God is thy God, this Christ is thy Christ, this righteousness is thy righteousness, this promise is thy promise, this crown is thy crown, this glory is thy glory, these treasures are thy treasures, these pleasures are thy pleasures. All things are yours, saith the Apostle. Things present are yours and things to come are yours. 1 Corinthians 3.22 Thus the faith of the martyrs acted, and so made them victorious over a tempting and a persecuting world. Hebrews 11.35 faith, Next, faith overcomes the world by valuing the things of this world as they are. Most men overvalue them. They put too great a price upon them. They make the world a god, and then they cry, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. Oh, but faith now turns the inside of all creatures outward, Faith presents all worldly things as impotent, as mixed, as mutable, as things of a moment to the soul, and so makes the soul victorious. Faith makes a man to see the prickles that be in every rose, the thorns that be in every crown, the scabs that be under every gown, 
the poison that is in thy golden cup, the snare that is in the delicate dish, the spot that is in the shining pearl, and so makes a Christian count, and call all these things, as indeed they are, vanity of vanities, and so the believing soul slights the world and tramples upon it as dung and dross, and lastly, faith overcomes the world by presenting Jesus Christ to the soul as a most excellent, glorious and comprehensive good, a good that comprehends all good. Christ is that one good that comprehends all good, that one thing that comprehends all things. All the beauties, all the rarities, all the excellences, all the riches, all the glories of all created creatures are comprehended in Christ. As the worth and value of many pieces of silver is collected in one piece of gold or in one precious jewel, so the whole volume of perfections which is spread through heaven and earth is epitomized in Christ. And the sight and sense of this makes the soul to triumph over the world. Faith presents more excellences and better excellences in Christ, and can be lost for Christ, and so it makes the soul a conqueror. I have been long upon these things, because they are of much weight and worth. I shall be brief the briefer in what follows, but before I leave this point I shall give you these hints. Strong Faith and Weak Faith in the first place, I shall give you some hints concerning strong faith. In the second place, I shall give you some hints concerning weak faith. My design is both to keep precious souls from mistaking and fainting. Concerning strong faith, I shall give you these short hints. The first hint, strong faith will make a soul resolute in resisting and happy in conquering the strongest temptations. Hebrews 11 verse 3 which reads, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. And Daniel 6 verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened, in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day, and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as he did aforetime. The second hint, it will make... A man own God and cleave to God and hang upon God in the face of the greatest difficulties and dangers. Romans 4.18 Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Psalm 44 verses 16 to 18 The voice of him that reproacheth and blasphemeth by reason of the enemy and avenger all this is come upon us, yet have we not forgotten thee, neither have we dealt falsely in thy covenant. Our heart is not turned back, neither have our steps declined from the way. So Job will trust in God, though he slay him. Job 13, verses 15 and 16. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him, but I will maintain mine own ways before him. He also shall be my salvation, for an hypocrite shall not come before him. 3. The third hint. It will enable men to prefer Christ's cross before the world's crown, to prefer tortures before deliverance. Hebrews 11 verse 3. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. The fourth hint, strong faith will make a soul divinely fearless and divinely careless. It will make a man live as a child lives in the family, without fear or care. Psalm 23 verse 4. 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Daniel 3.16 We are not careful to answer thee, O King. Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us, and he will deliver us. And then Micah chapter 7, verses 7 to 9. Therefore I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord, because I have sinned against him, until he plead my cause and execute judgment for me. He will bring me forth to the light, and I shall behold his righteousness. The fifth hint, strong faith will make a man cleave to the promise when the providence runs cross to the promise. Numbers 10.29 And Moses said unto Hobab, the son of Raguel the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, We are journeying unto the place of which the Lord said, I will give it to you. Come thou with us, and we will do thee good, for the Lord hath spoken good concerning Israel. 2 Chronicles 20 verses 9 to 11 If, when evil cometh upon us, as the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house, and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. And now behold, the children of, children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom thou wouldst not let Israel invade, when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them, and destroyed them not. Behold, I say, how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast given us to inherit. Psalm 60, verses 6 and 7. God hath spoken in his holiness, saith David. I will rejoice, I will divide Shechem, and meet out the valley of Succoth. Gilead is mine, and Manasseh is mine. Though David was in his banishment, yet his faith accounts all his as if he had all in possession, and that because God had spoken in his holy in his holiness. His faith hangs upon the promise, though present providences did run cross to the promise. The sixth hint, strong faith will make men comply with those commands that do most cross them in their most desirable comforts. Hebrews 11 verses 8 and 9. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. And Hebrews eleven ten verse 34. I mean Hebrews 10, verse 34. For ye had compassion of me in my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. And then Genesis chapter 22. Now, O precious souls, you are not to argue against your own souls, that surely you have no faith, because your faith doth not lead you forth to such and such noble things. Thou mayest have true faith, though thou hast not so great faith as others of the Lord's worthies have had. The philosophers say that there are eight degrees of heat. We discern, we discern three. Now if a man should define heat only by the highest degree, then all other degrees will be cast out from being heat. So if a man should define faith only by the highest degrees and operations of it, then that will be denied to be faith that indeed is faith, as I shall presently show. 
In the second place, I shall give you some hints concerning weak faith. The first hint, a weak faith doth as much justify and as much unite a man to Christ as a strong faith. It gives a man as much title to and interest in Christ as the strongest faith in the world. The babe hath as much interest in the father as he that is of grown years. A weak faith gives a man as good a title to Christ as all the precious things of eternity as the strongest faith in the world. A weak hand may receive a pearl as well as the strong hand of a giant. Faith is a receiving of Christ, John 1.12. The second hint, the promises of eternal happiness and blessedness are not made over to the strength of faith, but to the truth of faith, not to the degrees of faith, but to the reality of faith. He that believes shall be saved, though he hath not such a strength of faith as to stop the mouth of lions, as to work miracles, as to remove mountains, as to subdue kingdoms, as to quench the violence of fire, as to resist strong temptations, as to rejoice under great persecutions. Hebrews 11 verses 33 to 35. No man that is saved is saved upon the account of the strength of his faith, but upon the account of the truth of his faith. In the great day Christ will not bring balances to weigh men's graces, but a touchstone to try their graces. He will not look so much at the strength as at the truth of their graces. Even a, a, a small amount of genuine saving faith is a miracle from God. Um, three, the third hint of a weak faith. The weakest faith shall grow stronger and stronger. A weak believer shall go on from faith to faith. Christ is the finisher as well as the author of our faith, Romans one seventeen and Hebrews 12.2. Christ will nurse up this blessed babe and will not suffer it to be strangled in its infancy. He that hath begun a good work will perfect it, Philippians 1.6 and 1 Peter 1.5. Christ is as well bound to look after our graces as he is to look after our souls. Grace is Christ's work, therefore it must prosper in his hand. He is the great builder and repairer of our graces. He will turn thy spark into a flame, thy drop into an ocean, thy penny into a pound, thy might into a million. Matthew twelve twenty reads, A bruised reed shall he not break, and smoking flanks shall he not quench, till he send forth judgment unto victory. And Matthew thirteen thirty two. And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, oh, Matthew 32, that's 12, Matthew 13, 32, which indeed is the least of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs and becometh a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. Therefore do not sit down discouraged because thy faith is weak. That which is sown in weakness shall rise in power. Thy weak faith shall have a glorious resurrection. Christ will not suffer such a pearl of price to be buried under a clod of earth. The fourth hint. A little faith is faith as a spark of fire is fire. A drop of water is water. A little star is a star. A little pearl is a pearl. Verily thy little faith is a jewel that God doth highly prize and value. And thy little faith will make thee put a higher price upon Christ and grace than upon all the world. Matthew 18.10 Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones, for I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. 
that's Matthew 18.10 and 1 Peter 2.7 First Peter 2 chapter, chapter 2 verse 7 reads Unto you therefore which believe he is precious but unto them which be disobedient the stone which the builders disallowed the same is made the head of the corner. Well, remember this, that the least measure of true faith will bring thee to salvation and possess thee of salvation as well as the greatest measure. A little faith accompanies salvation as well as a great faith, a weak faith as well as a strong. Therefore do not say, O precious soul, that thou hast not that faith that accompanies salvation, because thou hast not such a strong faith or such and such degrees of faith. A great faith will yield a man a heaven here, a little faith will yield him a heaven hereafter. That's the end of the section on faith, that wonderful section. Um, we'll come to the next section in the next um, instalment, and that is things that accompany salvation, repentance.